your question or I just rambled. I'll cut around it. Um, <laughs> you only keep in my age. I'm 38. Yeah. And that's the only thing on there. Yeah, it'll be a two minute episode. <laughs> Welcome and thank you for listening to Almost Almost Famous, the podcast where actors, writers, comedians talk about the ups and downs, ebbs and flows of working towards making it in this crazy biz and how they're almost, almost famous. I'm your host, Daniel Acker. Today's guest is a member of the Groundlings main company, has starred in Cartoon Network's Mike Tyson Mysteries, Fox's Ghosted, and Netflix's You, and more. Please welcome to the podcast the one and only Elliot Schwartz. Yeah. We'll pump in all the cheers and all the stuff there. That's great. What a great intro I made you say for me. <laughs> yes, no, it was. I feel I love it. starring is a loose is a loose term. Hey, you're uh, in but it. hey, you gotta you gotta you gotta kind of stretch. That's Hollywood. You gotta make the most out of what you've done to make yourself sound yeah. super uh, important. You know. Yeah, I feel like it's always a balance between feeling like you're like the music man, like you're just telling people like, <laughs> oh, I've done this and this. And <laughs> but it also you kind of have to do that right you have to like i i learned early on that like you have to be your promoter like you have to be the person that's rooting for you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's like oh yeah he's done this because it is all that stuff that we've done is cool and it is of substance a little bit you know um i don't go around being like oh i starred in this or i'm I, I actually was always so annoyed by people that were like so hardcore about the stuff they were doing, but mostly when they were, it ended up there lying about it, <laughs> well, <yeah. You> know? <laughs> but I think us, and maybe you, you feel this way, but like with the kind of like the weird Midwestern vibe, it's kind of like wanting to downplay and be humble. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't want to seem braggy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like the, Greatest moment is when someone else can sing your praises. Yes, yes. And you can be, you can be like, well, oh no, not really. But yeah, I'll do that often. Where I, yeah, I just don't hold my accolades to such a high light or high. Stand. I'm just kind of like, I've done these things. They're not. It's not that big of a deal. But yet, I agree. You need to be a little more like, no, that is a big deal. I've done these things. I've put in this time. And I love that I'm being humble in like a business that requires no background checks to do anything full of some of the worst people (laughs) in the world. And I'm like, why am I trying to like be like humbly be like, Oh no, I don't want to be thought of as a guy that sings his praises too much. (laughs) You've got yourself out of work because you're like, no, no, that's not me. I'm not that person. But But then you've got murderers and pedophiles (laughs) that are like, and scammers and they're like, (laughs) I've done all this stuff. You're like, oh yeah, go with that guy. They seem more sure of themselves. But I mean, how crazy is that though? When I think about it, that this business, like you don't have like background checks when you book a part or when you get something, there's no one. It's like cons, con men and crooks and anyone. It's like, yeah. you want a second, third chance? Come to Hollywood, you know? Yes. I hope Sometimes that's the I... takeaway from the podcast. <laughs> criminals listening in their cell will be like wait a minute well i mean sometimes don't you think like we're too sweet sometimes we're too sweet and innocent for hollywood i'm too fragile sometimes for this this stuff i do have moments where i think do i need to be a little meaner a little sharper because what you're bringing up is a good point where i would be lucky to have 
nice people like us. Yeah. You know, like, and there are, and there are nice people. I've, we've worked with them, I would but. say there's more nice than bad, actually, overall. Yes. For sure. Yes. But I do hear you that sometimes you have to be not so people-pleasing and realize, like, you are advocating for yourself. Because, unfortunately, yes. there isn't really, like, you can go to school for acting and that stuff, but it's not like law school or, you know, medical school where at the end you're a lawyer or a doctor. It's like, at no point are you like, and now you're an actor. Well, and, and the guy that just got off the bus yesterday that somehow was seen at a coffee bean gets into the same audition you have. And if he has a different look or has a better read, that's it. They're not looking at your, Oh, a BA in theater. Yeah. Yes. They're not like, Ooh, you've got this Ooh, high school's <laughs> national honor society. <laughs> what was his grade point average? Um, no one gives it. <laughs> you know, they don't. They don't. Um, what's funny, though, is that we're still probably the few people I know of a lot of people that are actually still in the career that they went to school for, mm. at least. That's true. <laughs> There's a lot of people that it's, go in for something and you get out in the world and something it's else. a whole other it's thing. It's either so. fortitude or delusion. I haven't quite figured out. What keeps us in it? That's, I was, it's funny when you were talking about doing this, I was thinking about that, how if some of our struggles come through that we're not delusional enough sometimes, but we have enough to believe in, and I don't think it's a delusion to believe in ourselves because you're extremely talented and it's been proven over the years and the things that you've gotten and how you've risen in different comedic circles and whatnot. So it's not like it's a fluke, but sometimes I admire those people that are just so blindly confident in themselves. I do feel like being that blindly confident really only works if you do start to make it. Yeah. Because if you're just around, they're like, I'm going to do this and this. And over the years, it's sort of like, well, it seems like you just don't assess your skill and where you're at and your talent. And I think you and I are very big on like, self-awareness and take, yes. taking stock, sometimes maybe to a detriment, maybe we go a little too hard on ourselves. But I think long-term, that's much better, almost in any career, any, any field to just be like, where am I? Where am I going? What is this all for? Do I still enjoy this? That's a big question that's that huge. I kind of have to always revisit, which, you know, quarantine has been a big thing of like, what brings you happiness in your life? You know, mm -hmm. not that careers have to, but if it's going to be hard, it should at least bring you some joy if you're struggling to do it. I think that is a big thing to just always remind yourself, like, do I even like what I'm doing? Yeah. Not that you have to like it all the time. There's, of course, certain jobs, certain work that's not as exciting. But overall, I always think like on my worst day with it, I still can take away something yes. that, I, that I've learned or enjoy. And I don't know if it, it's like this with you, but I also have to go back and look at the, you know, the seven, the 16, 17, 18 year old that got into this and enjoyed it. And I think back then it was much more ego based. And after being in this business and out in LA and kind of being humbled by things, maybe not going exactly how my ego wanted them to and having to do more self-work on myself outside of the business that I have to ask myself too, now that I've taken the ego out of it, that it's not about me booking something and then quickly telling everybody on Instagram or them seeing it, is this still kind of fulfilling to me as just a, a person? And is it giving me more than it's taking away, I guess, you know? Yes. Now, when you're talking about being confident and being humble, like how have you worked over the years to kind of keep the ego alive? Right. I think it's very necessary, but also to keep it in check. 
I mean, <laughs> therapy is great. <laughs> you know, any kind of uh, therapy, any kind of thing that you do to look at yourself, because especially in our business, to be a good actor is you have to be in touch with all of that stuff, right? You have to be able to be that vulnerable, but then you also have to be able to like code switch and be able to take massive amounts of rejection daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. And that's, that's a lot. That's a lot for anybody, but it's a lot to be constantly going on quote, I mean, job interviews, which is what they are, where your job is to be vulnerable <laughs> and express human emotion truthfully, right? Then to be able to just uh, let that go and be super tough skinned about the amount of rejection of the business. So recently I found that yes, self-work, but also having other hobbies outside of the business, which I hadn't had for years. I had put so much of my weight into this world and it would make or break me. And all of my self-worth was wrapped into whether I was getting stuff or not getting stuff and what other people were getting. You know, we've talked about the comparison despair, but I really have noticed that when I got another hobby that I was just as passionate about, it helped me get a little bit of balance with the work thing. And I was actually able to treat it more like a job rather than this fantasy world. I often find that when I'm not delving into other hobbies or even just like reading other books or doing something else, the weight of the job or potential jobs gets much larger. Yes. When you're kind of doing other things, it really puts it back into perspective of like, this is great. This is my job, but I have a life outside of it. And I don't know if you feel this way, but I mean, LA is such a um, almost seasonless bubble that you can wake up and you've been here 20 years and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> what is my life? I still don't have a headboard. You know, I'm <laughs> 38 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That you can get yes. in this bubble of the years kind of blending together that if you don't kind of take care of, of you first, then it's hard to show up for that other, that other stuff. And that's a big difference from, from me now versus younger me who, um, you know, kind of was just throwing a, a large net out to see what stuck not having any real specific goals you know right. so i don't know if that answered your question or i just rambled i'll cut around it um, <laughs> <laughs> you only keep in my age i'm 38 yeah. <laughs> and that's the only thing on there <laughs> yeah it will be a two-minute episode <laughs> just cutting to the meat of it <laughs> i was gonna ask you because i guess i never really knew like why acting or what made you kind of be like this is what I want to pursue was it like you did it as a child was it not till later in life I think I always kind of had a uh, outward outgoing I was a real extroverted kid really good with a lot of different people always high energy all of that stuff but you know it wasn't until I feel like this is every comedian's origin story where like middle school I kind of started to realize that I could use comedy as more of a defensiveness right as a shield right mm -hmm. against bullies hormones anything and then high school my school that I randomly went to was a magnet arts high school so it was arts and sciences so they had an incredible theater program that I was able to dive into and we were studying Meisner and we were doing all, we had a great drama teacher that was really throwing a lot of great stuff at us and we were doing great plays. And I really got the bug bug there of like, oh, this could be a thing that I'm good at. And I've said this too, over the years, to, I don't know if it's to my detriment or to in a good way, but no one ever discouraged me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. No one ever said, well, maybe you should 
think about, you know, yeah. maybe looking into, because you know how you get those, um, do you ever do those college things where it's like, you should, in high school, you'd fill out like your skills and stuff and it would tell you what job you should do, right? you know, or what occupation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you ever do that? I feel like I did. I can't remember what I got. You know what I got? Train engineer. It's train engineer. Hey, it's good work. A con like conductor. a conductor uh, to press. That's what did I fill out that that would not t- not dealing with people just in a box pressing buttons. What could I have possibly have filled out that said this guy needs to be isolated and away from people. Yeah, and just <laughs> but also in charge of a lot of life. Make the trains run, Elliot. I, <laughs> they probably just have like three answers. It's like train train engineer, doctor, teacher, and like they just were picking random things from barrels i know my mom was like train engineer that's insane but no one ever discouraged me you know and i got into school for it and it college for it and it kind of kept that ball that kind of energy going towards it is that kind of with you did you tell have you told your origin stories in this and no and i never shall (laughs) no mine's a little similar i never thought i would be doing like acting or comedy because I had like a speech impediment when I was little and like I was very shy and would cry in front of people and then like pretty much like you said eventually I started like be able to tell like quiet jokes in the background and like people around me would laugh and it was like oh okay yeah when I was in elementary school middle school and high school I realized like I can make the teachers laugh and yeah. that was like oh I'm not just like I was kid funny but it was like there's like another layer <laughs> yeah. there. Like, I'm, I'm adult funny I'm in another it, tier it wasn't just like oh I'm the kid like making like a fart noise or something like that, which, <laughs> right. which would be great it's, there's which you is know, still super still, funny it's where I'm at now <laughs> I know we pretty much go devolve back we, we revert back and then it was sort of like oh I think I can do this and like you said I was I was never really discouraged. There was like, you know, grandparents would occasionally be like, do you want a real job though? And I'd be like, yeah, of course, but this is a real job. But well, yeah. for the most part, I think I've had enough experiences where like, I just kept making to the next rung, like little by little. Right. And I, you know, you and I both got lucky enough to who we went to college with and who we continue to know are people we look up to and the kind of the whole comedy and acting scene respect. So I never thought they were like, oh, just be nice to that guy. He's not actually good. Like they, they don't mince words. Like people around right. us will be like, that person's good. That person's not. And when you're kind of in this bubble, in this club, you go, yeah, I think I'm good at this. I think I'm capable. And like, I think with you, we were lucky enough to have parents that didn't discourage it and supported it all along the way. You know, um, my parents have never said, do you want to, maybe think about something else, you know, if anything, they've gone the other way. And they're like, I just saw in the paper that they're casting this. Have you heard of it? You know, it's more like yeah. news clippings and emails about it, where I almost had to be like, stop doing it. Cause it's depressing me that I'm not <laughs> getting any of that. <laughs> but props to them for never discouraging me because I said it was something I wanted to do. And I guess I was pretty adamant about it. And yeah. they were letting their kid go you know, across the country to go to school and go after this. I, being a parent now, I could see how incredibly difficult that would be. My mom said to me, they're like, you know, we support you because we see you doing the work. If you were just like on a couch waiting to get discovered, that's different. But mm-hmm. you were putting in the work to try to make it happen. So how could we not kind of support that? So I feel lucky because I don't know. I don't know if I had a, uh, 
enough confidence or uh, my people pleasing stuff that if anyone discouraged me, if I'd be like, oh yeah, they're right. My imposter syndrome might kick in and you know, I'd be like, oh yeah, you're right. I should look into Amtrak. Yeah. Train and train engineers have been scouting you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. At depots, you know, Yeah, they're behind the two way glass while you're taking that test. We're like, we want that one. (laughs) In their, in their caps and overalls. He looks, he looks pretty. Like train material. <laughs> He's got train brain. We can tell. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I've been I've been lucky. I think if I had any advice to anyone, it would be to like, well, settle in. If this is your dream, settle in because it's a long, long road of many different winding turns, you know? I don't even know if it happens overnight for people. I don't know what that means. It's that kind of thing of like, they're, they're a 30 year overnight success type thing, you know, that these people, you know, these Cranstons or these people that have just been grinding for years and then suddenly they're stars, you know? Um, Like the saying is, is like, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, and it's that, you know, and also that Harrison Ford quote about how he was like, you know, I was just the last one left in my category. You know, he said that, you know, everyone else had quit. And I really think that seems like the only in our business, you know, like we say, like, you know, lawyers, there, there's a thing like, oh, you go to school, you get an, maybe an internship or you, you know, or you get a residency. If you're a doctor, you work your way up with acting. There's nothing that says you're on the right track other than your own kind of self-will and how long you want to be in the game. Right. I mean, yeah. the only thing consistent with anyone that has successes that they just didn't quit their roadmap is different for every actor you know yeah no one's path is going to be the same on the way up or wherever you're going i do feel like a lot of it is like your determination and your ability to check in because there's no point to stay in it if you hate it and you're if it's taking a lot out of you emotionally spiritually mentally whatever you want to say but if it doesn't and you're like i'm i'm happy on this path and i'm going to keep going then i've always been a believer of like you will book eventually like you will you will yes. something i don't know the consistency i don't know the frequency or the scope of it but like i i've shed a lot of the stress of booking because as soon as i booked my first thing i was like oh i'm capable somebody saw me went let's cast that person so i will be cast again eventually you broke the seal where it wasn't yeah. like you know, I can't do this. That's the thing too. Of then the further you get away from that last job, you're like, do I still have it? Have I lost it? Am I still funny at all? And I think that's another thing of being tough about us being surrounded by such gifted people is that we forget that not everyone is as (laughs) great as our friends, as the people around us, right? That we actually are part of a, a really good group and we have the skills to, to do it and believing in those skills and doing the work to do it. How do you personally define success for yourself? That's tough because since we have so many types of jobs and you're never on one thing for long enough, it's like, what do you think is being successful if you get on a show that pays you, it goes into syndication and you can like just live off the actor money you've made? Is that being a success? Because if that's the case, I'm not there yet. Is success more like, you know, continuing to get better is success continuing to be a better actor getting consistent jobs, I think would be nice. Mm-hmm. I think I could be feel myself being successful if I was like consistently working, but I don't know. I, I feel like, and maybe I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like our job is so entwined with us as human beings 
that sometimes some of the personal stuff that I overcome is also a success for my career because it opens me up more as an artist, you know? So I don't know. I don't know if that, that's a long way to say, I don't really know because I think it's silly to just say, Oh, when I make, when I book that one movie, then I'll be successful. When I look back on my career and I have 50 IMDb credits, that's successful. I really think I've had to look at it more in a micro way of like, am I touching people with what I'm doing? Am I communicating? Am I entertaining people with Mm -hmm. my quote unquote gift? Then I have to take that as being successful because that's also why I always wanted to get into this was for connection. If you're able to reach people and be seen and entertain them and communicate, then that's a success. Well, it sounds like you kind of, like a lot of people, switch success from a macro all-encompassing, like when X happens, success, to more of a internal, like, what am I actually getting from this? What am I giving out? Which puts you and I, to me, in a better boat because you can, I think, be successful longer and it can change as opposed to a chasing of a goal or success that may or may not come and then you're or you could keep pushing that goalpost but if you're like oh when i perform in whatever capacity am i feeling fulfilled and am i making people smile or cry or laugh or whatever the intended outcome might be you could be like oh that was a success to me yeah it's kind of silly i think earlier in my career i think you know getting on a series would make me feel happy right and now i've had enough good stuff happen that i know that even that stuff doesn't fix you, right? So it doesn't, those, <laughs> those immediate endorphin, adrenaline, ego rushes doesn't fix you. Yeah, I think it has to change how you view it because otherwise, you know, this business I think will, will tear you up if you're looking at success as a monetary thing. Not to compare us with doctors, but do you think doctors are like, oh, I've done my success if I get to 150 surgeries or is it about that they're helping people? I hope it's the latter, but who knows? Saving lives. You know, who knows? I mean, those surgeons are weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they might want to like get to 100,000 brain surgeries, you know, or something yeah. weird. I mean, that's a weird question because who gets asked that other than people kind of in our world where it seems like such a lottery? Like, mm. like do mechanics and do people get at like, what? what what do you define success as? You know what I mean? Or is it encompassing an entire life in and out of your profession? You know? Yeah. I feel like people get asked like, how do you define success? I think really only comes for artists or people pursuing something that yeah. by and large, the world has decided it's tough. It's a lottery ticket because I'm sure you could ask yeah. this of people trying to make it in music or painting or anything of that sort, but you would not ask like, What's success right. to you, doctor? And they'll be like, well, I'm currently a doctor. <laughs> I think I'm good. So no, I'm doing turn it. Turn your head and cough. <laughs> yeah. Have there been moments when you have personally felt like you've, you've made it or hit a milestone that you've, you have been pursuing? Yeah. You know, I think um, getting into UCLA was a big one. That one kind of was a big rung on the ladder of like being noticed on a, a very high level, right? And then I would say also too, every... Every kind of level at the groundlings, too, that we all went through, every cut that we survived kept pushing it. Because I think, yes, we're actors, but I think for us, comedy has always been like the thing, right? That's where we've like hung our hat on. So being recognized by such a uh, institution was and is remarkable. But I don't know if there's ever been a job that I felt like I've made it because 
the reality is when you, when you get the job, it's just, it's work, yeah. you know what I mean? And you're just part of this machine. And a lot of the time you're just sitting at a trailer waiting to be called to say your three lines. And you're like a guest with these people that are together all the time. And you're just yeah. like, don't screw it up. And you've got grips waiting to light the next thing. No one's like applauding your three line guest star. So I don't know if it's necessary. I've had that necessarily like thing, but I remember, you know, Groundlings and UCLA have both been things where I felt and I don't know if it's because of the the finality of them both of like it being a structured thing where and getting like letters or calls that it felt more like a something of of substance mm-hmm. like I'm on the right track like a universe being like you're doing you're doing the right thing keep at it whatever happens with us in life and career we can say that we we did it and we tried the not knowing would be more painful I think of like what if I did it, you know? And my mom, my mom was always like, I was so always, she said she was always so happy that I had just had something that I was passionate about because passion's not something that's like guaranteed, you know, you're lucky if you find something that you're passionate about. Did you find that through the years of auditioning, have you kind of like locked into how do you personally prep or deal with auditions? Like, are you always like, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, no, it's like always waves. It's always like waves of like trying new things. You know, it's always like waves of like caring and then not caring, super caring or like, maybe I'm looking too like I'm holding on too tight. Maybe I should just be more chill and loose and just be this guy. And then, you know, um, but I've really tried to start treating the audition like the job. Because they really are Mm -hmm. two separate things, it feels like, right? The audition and the job are like two different things. And the audition is always way harder (laughs) than the job. So I've really been trying to focus on, and that's why with all this quarantine, I've actually enjoyed the self-tape because less of my nerves get in the way. I don't have to like battle LA traffic being all weird about like, where am I going to park? And then you get up there and you're sitting around everybody and you know, you're like... Oh, do I have this? I had it this morning in the shower. Do I, I've only got one chance to do it in there. And then I have to do small talk in there. And I'm like, oh, can we just do it? Because it's fresh in my brain. And then I come <laughs> off weird. So <laughs> taking all that off the table and being able to just focus on treating the audition like the job and just doing it and being able to self-tape and doing it a few times or as many times as I need has really helped me um, kind of compartmentalize the job and then treating this like, okay, be off book have the stuff, act, and then if you get it, great, but this is what you're putting the work in for right now. That's where I'm at now. It might change next week. Yeah, there is something very amorphous about auditions. Like, (laughs) anytime I feel like, oh, yeah, I'm in in the pocket, it just instantly shifts. I'm instantly thrown off. Well, because, you know, then there's also some casting shows where it's like, it's okay to do a button on some stuff. Mm -hmm. Some places want you to just stick to it. And I feel like the people that I've known that have had the most success are the people that are them no matter what, and don't change depending on the room, you know, where they, if they're like the improv person that doesn't have the lines perfect, but they're there and they're charismatic, they may not get some of the stuff, but they're going to get other stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, that numbers game of like, stop me trying to stop like morphing myself to what I think people want Mm -hmm. and trying to be a little more authentic i guess yeah it is it's very tough to be consistently yourself wholeheartedly especially with acting when you're like i'm playing somebody else but through this character whatever the spot or the part is showing up and being like i've i've had to tell myself 
they are hiring you. So you got to show up as yourself because if you show up as someone different, they'll be pissed on the day when you're yourself. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like it's, yeah. it's, well, and we come from theater, you know, where you don't come out on stage and you're like, hello, everyone. I'm a name's Elliot Schwartz and I'm about to do this part for you. You have time to prep. You've got the, you know, an hour or two before showtime. Uh, and then you have to immediately start acting. The whole process is kind of weird. Um, it's a yeah. whole different. It's a whole different technique. And I know people that are really good at auditioning. And I know there's other people that struggle. So I'm trying to, I guess, take the pressure off, get out of my own way. I guess. I think the saving grace is when, and it happens to I feel like a lot of actors eventually stick with it, where they realize it is very rarely personal when you don't book. Yes. And very rarely personal when you do book. It's just sort of like you were the right person, right time. It was great. But if they go with someone else, it's not because you failed. It's because they were looking for something else. And like the second you kind of just take the ego away and you just go, hey, if I'm right, I am right. And I will do it and you'll be pleased. And if it's not me, then by all means, cast somebody else. And I mean, we, we signed up for this. I mean, what other job can they literally be like, I don't like his nose you know yeah <laughs> like that's crazy I mean, you know like you can have a great read but they're like eh, the lead's blonde so he can't be blonde yeah. you know and then you're and you're never gonna know that yeah. you don't get like a call being like we loved him uh, you know but he, he can't have two blondes you just never hear from anything yeah. again i don't know how many auditions i've been on where like the description of the person is like not attractive <laughs> <laughs> Bold, it's like bold size 20 font. Yeah, like just <laughs> below average, regular, regular person. Like not turn any heads. And I'm like, I'm like. But also turns a lot of heads by how gross he is. It's yes. like. <laughs> it's turns nasty. heads for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I'm like, okay, thank you. May I have the sides, please? I would love to be this this ugly person in your movie, sir. Which, by the way, ugly in Hollywood is still, like, pretty attractive. <laughs> yeah, we're gorgeous. <laughs> okay, Elliot, it's the, it's the time of the show that... Oh, no, my favorite your part. Your favorite part. Okay, everyone, this is the time when we invite the special guest, famed insult comic Raz Clifford. Sorry, Elliot, he's got to take you down. He loves to... <laughs> this is my favorite, dude. I'd pay for this. Okay, well, great. Venmo, Raz, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get Raz out here. Come on, Raz. <laughs> Oh, hello, folks. It's Raz Clifford. Whoa, Daniel, you got Elliot Schwartz on the show. That's a great get. Okay, I'm going to Raz him long enough for you to call the cops. We might be able to get this son of a bitch arrested. <laughs> hey, Elliot, it's always good to see someone who I don't give a shit about. <laughs> good to see you. You're looking well, which means you didn't drink the poison I sent you. <laughs> Muck. For those of you listening to get a good picture, Elliot, he looks like someone who would storm the Capitol, but do it with a funny sign. <laughs> I've been keeping a close eye on Elliot, just, you know, always keep your enemies close. And I, he's been making a lot of TikTok videos. Oh, no. Elliot's videos are called Lake Dad, and they're, they're so-so. I'm just waiting for that video when you finally drown in the lake. <laughs> Also, uh, the name of the app, TikTok, is apropos because TikTok, buddy boy, your time in the biz is running out. <laughs> Boom! Hit him with the razzle-dazzle. So long, you piece of shit. <laughs> All right, bye, Raz. Bye, Raz. Thank you. Oh, man, I love that guy. Yeah, people have mixed reactions, but... Who doesn't like it? Has anyone not liked it? 
I think everyone likes it, but some people, their after reaction is sort of like, what a jerk, what a, what a guy. But uh, Elliot, since I've known him, <laughs> is one of those people who loves someone just making fun of him mercilessly. Well, I mean, I think it's, I mean, in, in its classical, uh, what a raz or whatever that is, or a roast, complimentary thing. It means you have to know someone at least kind of well enough to be able to take the crap out of them. Yeah, you know? I agree. There's, a, there's two effects happening. You, you get, you razz people you love. By getting raz, it means he cares enough in a weird way about you to razz you. Right. And I think it's also a great litmus of knowing where you're at like your ego and your humbleness to be like, yeah, t- say whatever you want. Like, let's do it. Go for the jugular. You are someone who with Raz. I tell you to go yeah, harder. You have been consistent being like, you just go say the worst, just go really <laughs> deep. And I feel like there's other people when, when Raz has performed that it, he's probably taken his foot off the gas a little bit. Cause he knows, you know, Raz might know some real deep stuff and might not, you know. Which is so contradictory to me because I am so sensitive. But for this stuff, I think it's so funny when people, because because it's coming in a in a controlled, joking way. You know, it's different right. than a human being just insulting you. Like, I don't think you'd like it if we're <laughs> hanging out at like a, a party and I started loudly to everyone just listing your flaws. <laughs> yes. well, but through, it's also but through that man. But through this clear, cliche, yeah, it's great. I think you always go harder yeah. on me. You let me off too easy. That's why I think those Comedy Central ones are tough because some of them don't even like know the celebrity. So it just becomes like a stranger hurting your feelings and you have to just sit there yes. and like smirk. You can tell the difference of those Comedy Central roasts when it's like the, who they're roasting someone that they clearly all know and love. Right. And then when it's like almost like big wigs at Comedy Central, like roast this person. Exactly. And you're like, uh, okay, we're just going to say right. what everyone the, knows about that person. It's always the best ones is when they like, roast each other and you see them cracking up. None of them are oh. like upset. They lose it when they get, when the comedians yeah. roast other comedians. It's the best. That would be like a dream job to get to be on that day is for me and get to roast people. Well, you're so good at it too. I'm telling you, that's a talent in and of itself. It's joke writing mixed with like really going after you got to know people you got to be aware you know it's not yeah. something that just anyone can do so yeah that's why i love it it's just, you've got that skill man thank you among other things no that's but it. roasting is a skill <laughs> that's the one do you have do you have like a job that you've been like that would be your dream ideal acting job i don't know i mean i'm always like i'm such a weirdo when it comes to like shows would i want to just be on like a friends type show i don't know like i get like i nerd out on being like those comedians in like the dark comedies like in coen brothers movies where you get to kind of be a little more your comedy is used more for like charactery purposes rather Mm -hmm. than just kind of the guy that can do jokes well does that make sense yeah so for you it's not just one job you would like to almost build a a career as like the go-to funny character actor kind of like my i've always said like um john c Riley, sam rockwell these guys are like guys that can really just are acting <laughs> they're just doing whatever the uh the stuff calls for but at the same time would i love to just be a well-known comedian guy sure i mean that's i see this is a problem with my entire career is i've never like been able to be like this is what i want i've always been like let's see what happens you know i, think, I mean that keeps it keeps it a little looser 
Uh, it doesn't really work for being a train engineer because you really need to know where that thing's <laughs> headed. So I'm glad you you chose the acting profession instead of like, let's just see what tracks we land on. Folks. Oh, no, it's, it's easy breezy, you know? I want to set you up for this next one of, okay, so we're in the, we're in the future, not too distant future. <laughs> no. You're now a late night, yeah. uh, you're a guest on a late night talk show. You're the the main guy you brought out, you know, they bring in the like other guests, but you're the, you're the focus. You're, you're the one that'll be after the commercial break. Still sitting there. <laughs> so when you're on this late night show, so it's like, all right, folks, we have with us the phenomenal actor, Elliot Schwartz. You've seen him in mm. countless shows, countless movies, uh, always hilarious. You really, you know, kind of disappear in these roles and you make us laugh, <laughs> but we still know it's you and we love you. <laughs> what, wow, what's, a, a, what's a ta- what's a tale or a story or something from your life that you've always wanted to share with, with the people the only one i have would be and i it probably would have to be on late night because i probably i probably have to get bleeped for some of it but so i'm like i'm really bad with confrontation and when i um do get confronted and feel like i have to like defend myself i almost like see red and kind of stop losing like motor functions and being able to like talk so i was uh playing lacrosse in high school and we were kind of mm. jawing at each other us and another team and it got super like heated and we me and this other guy started in front of everybody started um like trash talking each other and i got i start i could see it i could see the red starting to build and he said something to me and without thinking this was my comeback i said oh yeah well i'm gonna piss on your cock (laughs) and the everyone went quiet because they had no idea first you have to process what that like means and even looks like and then you don't know (laughs) what where do you come back from that and that came out of like me seeing red and not knowing what to say, but saying I'm going to piss on your cock, it just implies so much is going on in that insult. Yeah, that I don't even know if it is an insult. It definitely shuts it down. So it's a great way to stop a conversation. <laughs> yeah, you've given the listener something. If you're ever feeling threatened or attacked, just yell this at the person. <laughs> they will stop in their track. They will stop to think about it. <laughs> it was also, it was both sides too. My team and their team were like. It was like literal record scratch. Yes. What? (laughs) That is something that if I saw in some type of comedy sports movie, I'd go, that's ridiculous. (laughs) No one would say that. No one would say that. And you'll be like, yes. (laughs) Yes, I did. Well, Elliot, the sensors are going crazy. We've had to eat so much, but I'm glad you told here. I have a story with you that I feel like could, could almost... Elliot Cornhole the court the beanbag. Oh my god, it's still, I know, but I don't know where to put that in. That's only for us. That was like a you had to be you, that. Would anyone else enjoy that? You might have to be that. Well, no, I mean, yes, the moment was so huge. So uh a few years ago. <laughs> so huge. It's so huge. We're a bunch of us are in Palm Springs enjoying a weekend. We're playing cornhole, which is like the beanbag tossing game, and it's points, and you try to get it into the cornhole. I'm I'm fast forwarding it. <laughs> And the setup is in the cornhole are the other team's beanbags, like halfway in. So a wrong move, Elliot's team will lose. (laughs) Elliot's tossing the last beanbag. He has to make it in for the win. And I, this is a movie. This is a movie line. And yes, this is a movie this line. is a classic. And because I, I was relaxed, I wasn't angry. He's in the pocket. He's doing well. 
I say to Elliot, I believe like, Elliot, you might want to just throw that beanbag away. Like you hit this board, you could lose the game. You know, it's all over. Just, you know, like, don't, don't even try. And Elliot just goes, I'm not you. And throws it perfectly like a swish into the beanbag. Like nothing else goes in. They win the game. We lose our mind. So, I mean, that was like literal, like, movie you can't that's what you write that's what yes. you would write so elliot there's many sides to this man he can either he can either say something like i'm gonna piss on your cock or he'll say something perfect like i'm not you and make the winning goal well elliot in all seriousness there is no one like you so when you said i'm not you that was very true um and as someone who's known you for a while and watched you, you have consistently made the beanbags into the hole. <laughs> and it's always fantastic. I love you, Daniel. And you're, you're so wonderful. And I'm glad you're doing this. And I'm, I don't know, it's kind of nice to talk about this stuff. I'm always like, oh, podcast people, do they really want to hear this stuff? But if I was younger, I'd want, I kind of, and even now, I'd like to, I'd like to hear about the real experience because with all of our social medias, it's so easy to just kind of show a polished version of things. And this is really the guts of what we do day in and day out. And I love that you're still doing it because you have so much to offer the world and you're so, uh, ridiculously talented so well thank you as far thanks as for, thanks for doing as it as far as i know there's at least 12 people who like to hear what we're talking about so <laughs> we got to do it for these 12 hey if you can touch just 12 lives that's that's huge thank you again for listening i'm your host daniel acker and this has been almost almost famous <laughs>